Eoch Tanuyap, Kuiget Yuans, Kuiensna. Hi, everybody. My name is Kuiget Yuans. I'm a member of the Squamish Nation and the Yagalanis Clan of the Haida Nation. You're listening to Co op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. We live, work, play, and broadcast from the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil Nations. Listening to Each for All, the Cooperative Connection on Vancouver Co op Radio, 100.5 FM, and online at coopradio.org. I'm Sandy Goldman. BC's southern Gulf Islands welcome thousands of visitors each year, trading city life for spectacular nature and warm hospitality. If you're lucky enough to take in one of the weekly markets, you'll find a bounty of locally grown food and products direct from island farms. It's not easy being a food producer anywhere these days. On the Gulf Islands, there are unique challenges, both for farmers and year-round residents. To support growers and build a stronger, more resilient local food system, the Gulf Islands Food Co-op was created. Nancy Goodman, project coordinator for the co-op, explains. Yeah, so, you know, food insecurity in the Gulf Islands comes in many forms, and um, and one of them is food production, period. You know, the amount of food that we're able to produce here um, is quite meager in, in comparison to other agricultural locations or other rural locations. And um, so, you know, back in 2014 uh, to 2017, um, there was a series of meetings and reports produced uh, called the Southern Gulf Islands Food an agriculture strategy. Um, and it was full of the data of, you know, how little was being produced, what were the issues that were being faced by farmers. Um, and it was full of recommendations on what can, um, you know, what can we do to to help increase food production, increase food security, and really bolster um, food local food system resilience. And so one of those um, recommendations was to create an organization that could foster this inter-island collaboration um, in order to support growers, to offer practical supports, um, to to really advocate as a a region at bigger meetings, um, that sort of thing. And so following from that, uh, the the co-op was formed. Um, It was formed as a community service co-op, meaning that um, we're not just serving our members, uh, we're, we're serving the community at large. And the reason that a co-op was chosen um, in creation instead of like a, simply a non-profit society was so that the food producers that were trying to um, help could also financially benefit from the projects that we offer. So whereas we don't, we don't financially <laughs> benefit from those projects as an organization, but that the producers could. So, for example, uh, one of our projects is a cooperative produce sales table, which uh, happens on Pendermain and, and Galliano, uh, where we, with our funding, pay for a host of the table, um, and we pay all the table fees at the market, but growers can bring their produce to the market, set their price, have it sold on their behalf, and then come back and collect the profits, um, the 100% of their profits, from their sales, um, and when we, as an organization, don't benefit from those uh, from the monies at all, but the the producers do. So, 
it was for those kind of reasons, those kind of projects that we we formed as a co-op instead. One of the projects that we had in in conjunction with um, Kwantlen Polytechnic University a couple of years ago, or last year actually, um, was a program called the Healthy Soils Program, which was to um, encourage soil health practices um, in the larger scale farming community. So, you know, when we when the pro- program was designed, it was the hope was that you know twelve farmers would participate. You know, hopefully we'd have a little inter-island um, a cooperation. It ended up that sixty-one producers participated because they could see the value in a learning the information. But it was just as important to these farmers to meet each other, to have a reason to come together, and then to um, be able to have farmer-to-farmer field days on each island. So each each island had farmers that hosted the other farmers to come over on a certain day and walk their land with them, you know, along with a soil expert. And, you know, so it was really beneficial in a lot of ways that way, because what ends up happening in these, in the Southern Gulf Islands, we have a very small population. We have relatively few food producers. And because it's so difficult to grow the food and to make any kind of living from the food, it often feels to, to the producers like they're in a silo or in a vacuum like it's just them and then they're they're consumers right and so we really want to to foster that network that you know it's not just you going through this you know? right strengthen like numbers and and exactly. support and and trading ideas That's nancy right. let's let's zero in on what the challenges are in sure. being a food producer on the gulf islands what sure. uh let's just talk about the soil um yeah uh, I've I've tried to plant a few things at a place uh, where uh, friends and I visit. Um, just put in some bulbs, deer resistant bulbs, and I could barely scrape the ground. Yeah. Um, to, so tell, tell us more about uh, the soil and and the other challenges uh, to yeah. being a food producer. So you're right, exactly exactly what you touched on. Trying to dig a hole in the Gulf Islands is almost impossible, right? You're going to hit rock. You're going to hit um, well, you're going to hit all kinds of stuff. You're going to hit tree roots, probably. Um, you know, there's um, you know soil and the the lack of nutrients in soil is a is a big issue. Um, the fact that there is that we're, most of the farmland borders on the forest. You know, the forest is its health its own healthy ecosystem, but may not be meeting the needs that you have as an agricultural producer. Um, the lack of water, you know, the drought conditions lately, uh, you know, especially the last 10 years, uh, you know, have exacerbated any of the 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 issues that that existed prior to that. You know, we, last year we saw ponds drop by, you know, a foot, you know, a pond. And you never you never saw that really um, in the past. And although there's always been issues like that. So definitely the soil with the weather, the lack of water. But then, you know, we also have these other more socioeconomic issues that end up hitting the Gulf Islands. So there's an influx of wealth in the community, which brings a lot of uh, positivity. It, it allows businesses to stay open longer and you've got consumers for local food. But what also happens is that a lot of rental properties become owned by people who maybe don't live here year round, or maybe they do. Um, but you know, there's just a lack of available housing and let alone ha- affordable housing. And so labor on for food production, you know, it's just not available. Um, and that's often due to the housing issue. Um, and, you know, wages can only be so high with, with, with food production because 
farmers are not making very much money producing their food. So right. there's often a, um, there's a disconnect, I think, for many consumers when they see the price of food, say, at, at a traditional grocery store, and then they see, you know, the price of local food and they say, oh, that cucumber is three times as much as it, you know, is it Walmart or whatever. And the the problem, the problem <laughs> is that there's no way to externalize those costs, you know, in, in local food production. There isn't slave labor. There isn't, um, you know, uh, environmental degradation going into producing local food. We're trying to, the growers here are trying to do everything right. And that is what costs more money. So, you know, there's, there's just, there's a lot of environmental factors, but there's also a lot of like other factors. Oh, yeah, like social dialogue. factors. It social always factors, seems, yeah. it always seems to, in a way, come back to housing. We talk yeah. about affordable housing a lot on our show yeah. um, because it, it, um, can't get people uh, with a roof over their head and, and everything flows from there. Um, how about relations with Indigenous uh, knowledge keepers uh, in terms of growing food and um, using food from the forest and and the ocean? Is uh, the co-op work to incorporate those uh, strategies and those peoples into the work that it does? Yeah, absolutely. Like I'll acknowledge today that I'm on Sadeus, which is uh, traditional ancestral lands of the Wasanich people. Um, the work that we do with the Gulf Islands Food Co-op is on Pendermain, Saturna, and Galliano, all all ancestral unceded territories of Wasanich, Penelicut, um, you know, the Coast uh, Salish peoples of Galliano, and and many other Coast Salish nations. And so we honor that in in the work that we do. Because our all most of our most of our work is land based. So, you know, we we have put on in the past workshops with um, with Saint elders uh, talking about honoring uh, the the indigenous food practices and food creation. Um, we have also worked with the uh, Papekin Nursery, the Blossoming Place uh, over in um, Brentwood. Um, they do a lot of restoration work um, at because that restoration work are, are these physical acts of decolonization. And so and that's a quote from Sarah Jim, who's just brilliant. Um, and so what, we, what we've tried to do with our um, Indigenous outreach and our Indigenous-related uh, kind of projects is to um, recognize that restoration acts on agricultural land really give uh, the opportunity to, for for seeing what's missing in the landscape, the social landscape, as well as the the you know physical landscape, and so um, we're with the projects we have upcoming, we we will be um, trying to help organizations that are um, propagating native plants, trying to get more native plants um, more visible, and because there's so many native food plants that once invasives come out, these these native food plants want to grow. You know, and so if we can if we can help those reappear into the the landscape, um, you know, that's really that's really important to us. And we we recognize too that that the work isn't it's not the the we have very small indigenous population in the southern Gulf Islands, even though these are their their unceded traditional lands. And so we recognize that as well that um, that it's not up to those indigenous groups to come to us and say this is what we want help with or can you do some you know we would love to do a project in blank and it's also not for them to say um uh to our requests yes we want to help you you know like they're doing their work 
they're do it's up to us to do this work you know this re realizing what's um, beneficial to the communities at large because the indigenous people are are missing generally from the landscape of the southern gulf island but it's it's you know imperative to bring them back so we're very lucky that we have um been able to collaborate with the um the galliano conservancy who have have built really great relationships with uh, the Penelica elders as well as with the Coast Salish peoples of Galliano. Um, we participated in a, a plant, a helping plant a native plant garden at their office location. Uh, and in the past, we've also supported that feed your um, feed your feed the people workshop, the the deer harvesting workshop that they've offered. The issue of food insecurity on the Gulf Islands is one that. Um, but many people might not realize is is um, is present. Uh, it, you know, people think of the Southern Gulf Islands as um, a wonderful tourist destination. Uh, and I know that the numbers of the populations on on the four smaller islands, um, because Salt Spring is not part of your co-op, I guess it's got its own systems well in place. It's the largest of the islands. Um, but you know, uh, those numbers in those smaller islands uh, swell, you know, between May and October. And that must be good for food producers and and um, and for restaurants and and one thing or another that adds a lot to the economy uh, and the incomes of those uh, of those people. But uh, when Thanksgiving is is passed, you know the the, the numbers really drop off. and programs uh, are in place. Galliano's um, uh, destination that I've spent a lot of time over the years, and I've volunteered with the Galliano food program uh, for their Monday soup and, and bread. And not only do they have that communal uh, event, but they have frozen meals available. Um, they give soup to the students at the elementary school. Uh, there's a food bank at the church. Um, and they also have an equipment library so that people can, you know, do their own canning and one thing and another. Um, and the number of people that came to the lunches, the soup and bread, um, it filled the South Hall. Uh, it's amazing. And it's just by donation. So it opened my eyes to the problems. What uh, pro programs like the Galliano Food Program are really uh, laying the groundwork here to um, help out in the community. Is is that the case in the other islands? And do you see that being a kind of model for addressing some of these issues? Oh, yeah, for sure. The, the Galliano Community Food Program is very inspiring to the other islands, absolutely. Each island has a very unique character, but there is the the commonalities are there. There are people that aren't getting enough food. There are people that are, um, you know, very tenuously housed, and those include families. And you know, you can't, ex I mean, going through COVID, come on, everybody, everybody struggled in one way or another, right? It would make, it makes absolute sense that the food banks, um, you know, increased their, the amounts that they were giving out, you know, um, through that time. I, um, I, I will say that, you know, I had a meeting um, a few years ago with Allison from the Galliano Community Food Program, who's, who just, you know, does so much for that program. And one of the key aspects that, of the creation of the Aliana Food Program that, that we talked about was that um, she said that the, the food program was created to build community, 
was right. it was not created to address it, you know insecurity food insecurity but it is able to do so because it's it's because of that mandate but it's interesting when you think about that when it it, it food being that uniting factor and right. that's the way we build community you know it's that kind of uh, uh background for that for the type of a a, a top-down model which you know, I don't want to say it like <laughs> exactly but the that the food program so much runs through the food program on Galliano, and yes. and I'll say that if if it was the same on on Pender, it would be really helpful, and um, and I would I would guess that Maine Island would agree with with that as well. Um, and Saturna, you know, Saturna is such a small island, and they they have uh, such a strong community. You know, there's less less than five hundred people certainly, probably in the winter far less than that. Um, and they have uh, a community uh, food bag program as well, you know, and so and they their general store there really supports local growers. And, and so that's really inspiring. They they work together in that way. Um, Pender has a bigger population and and quite a lot of new new people have come here, you know, especially in the last, say, five years. Um, and which is great. Uh, it is great. But what that also does is it it creates sort of more sort of low wage paying jobs, I would say, right? You have more people in the service industry and that's not a living wage, you know, year round. And so you can see how food security um, becomes an issue, right? Um, and when we think about, um, you know, how growers can contribute, I mean, grow, I'm sure that there are several growers are also clients of, of food bank programs, right? I have no doubt of that. Um, the great thing is that growers can also contribute to the food bag programs and the food bank programs. Um, we are just about to start a project with the Maine Island Food Bank, um, where we're calling it the Grower to Food Bank program. We're still working out the details, but essentially um, we are making a, a, a large donation. And But what that donation will will be coordinated to do is to bring growers into supplying some produce to the to the food bank where the food bank would generally um be given i think um reclaiming food from um you know from the bigger food bank supply i'm just learning about this world it's fascinating um uh, but they'll we'll, we'll be able to bring in the local growers by so by giving the the food bank some money to actually buy local food so, um, so, you know, because that is a missing element and, and I don't blame the food bank for not being able to pay the price of, of local food. Like I, you know, there's no easy, there's no easy solution to this. Right. And I also don't blame, uh, growers for needing to get the highest price that they can for the produce that they're growing because they're not making much of a living. Right. So, yeah, I think food insecurity, it, it's so in the Gulf Islands is so tied to housing. Um, and it's so tied to service industry wages and um, and seasonal wages that it will always be an issue. And when when we talk about addressing food insecurity, we as a Gulf Islands Food Co-op think about it as encouraging more people to grow food in whatever way that is is possible. So if that's a producers that can scale up their production and produce a bit more food. Um, if it's with the seed library supports that we offer uh, to try to, you know, help. There's already always been a, a good seed library, the seed library of Galliano. There's a, a main island seed hub started a few years ago. We launched the Pender Island seed library. And this year, the uh, Saturna seed sharing library uh, began. 
And so we try to really bring all of those uh, seed libraries together. To so create important. Regional, yeah, to create yeah. this regional food supply because that builds more uh, resiliency. resiliency. Yeah, right? we're so, right. They're getting seeds that are tried and, and tested in, in uh, that climate and in that soil and that right. they know work. And again, that's building building community. Yeah. Um, Nancy, about how many members are there in the Gulf Islands Food Co-op? And are those producers or restaurants or who, who are the members? Yeah, so the members. So right now, I think we have 85 members. Oh, um, great. 60, a majority always has to be um, food producers. That's part of our rules. Um, and so I think we have 66 food producers. Um, those numbers are, you know, they're about that. Um, but because we're a community service co-op, um, you know, we offer our projects to all all people in the community, anybody who wants to participate. Um, and uh, and I think what the member, you know, the, it seems to me like the people who are the members um want to be part of what's happening you know they they see that we're out there they see what they they see what we're doing um and they see themselves as a member as a part of the local food system which we all should you know we are all part of the local food system if you're producing food you obviously are but if you're eating that local food you are you are the reason why this this system can work you know and so i think if everyone can see themselves as an integral part of the of the local food system that really helps people um, feel like they're making a difference. Feel like this is what they're doing is a good thing. Is there any kind of bulk buying that goes on uh, as part of the co-op in terms of equipment that uh, can be used, whether it's on each island or shared, or you know, because that's one of the strengths of being part of a co-op is buying in bulk to reduce your costs. Yeah, so we we a couple of years ago ran a bulk buy program for I believe it was um, bird netting because bir the, the birds have been crazy the last five years. And so uh, we bought specific netting uh, for greens and berries. And and uh, I think I think we bought a roll for each island and then that was divided up um, so that nobody had to have a whatever it was, thousand foot roll of bird netting or whatever. Uh, so, you know, so there's that. We also um, uh, you know, Galliano is very inspiring in its um, co-op, or it, sorry, it's um, uh, com like community cupboard, right? They're they're lending cupboard of all their equipment, and yes. so we did yeah. buy um, food dehydrators for each island, except for Galliano, because Galliano was already so like they have it together. So uh, we were able to um, on Maine, Pender, and Saturna, we bought a food dehydrator. Uh, water bath canner, a pressure canner, apple peely sort of thing, like. So, you know, we we definitely like those kind of infrastructure projects. One of the one of the the issues that we kind of have is that we don't have a physical space anywhere. And right. when we exist as like this regional organization, we we need to know that we can collaborate with organizations that will look after the stuff on our behalf because like we just aren't there. So uh, luckily, like on Maine, for instance, the Maine Island Food Bank often uses our equipment and they just keep it and they just steward it. You know, we would still maintain them the equipment at our cost, but um, but we're able to, you know, help them out and they're helping us out. <laughs> Terrific. I've got one more question. I know you just had your AGM yep. uh, at the beginning of April. Um, what are what are some things on the horizon for your co-op? Yeah, so uh, with that uh, grant and aid that we've received for 2023, uh, we'll continue the co-op sales project. Um, that's uh, the, the growers bringing their produce to market to be sold at a hosted table by our host. Um, we're going to continue that on Pender and Galliano. 
um, on Maine. Uh, we, we just think that the we've been running this program. This will be the fifth year, uh, and we haven't ever had great big buy-in by the the producers on Maine, and and we think that's just because they already have venues for their produce. So, um, so we're looking at other ways that we can encourage uh, growing, and and on Maine and Saturna, that will be through this grower to food bank program where we figure out how we can attach the or how we can connect the growers and the food banks. One of your goals is to work with youth, is to get youth involved because they're the next generation of producers. Um, how are you making progress in that area? Yeah, you know, on um, so we've we've seen on Galliano how they've had uh, the food program has had great success with their school garden, and um, so we're you know we do we definitely see that as a as a possibility of the, in the future. Um, on Pender, there's. Um, the community hall does quite a bit of work with with youth and so they are always looking for co- how to connect with growers so i would i would feel like probably our connection to youth will come through collaboration with other groups that are more directed toward youth uh like we realize that there are lots of different ways that we can help in the in the food system and um and because there's so few of us we need to really like maximize our resources and and for us what that is is how do we support growers that are already growing and then how do we make sure that the knowledge that they have stays in the community and and that is made difficult by the fact that you know housing is so tenuous for so many people so like we need to make sure that that knowledge once given doesn't disappear and it won't disappear entirely but it might disappear from our area and so then that's really important and you're right like the the youth factor is is a big you know a big deal what's great is that we know that there are a lot of people a lot of kids that are growing food at home um and we're just blessed that that's the case and you know we don't take that for granted that that's parents that are doing that so if we can support local food systems in general hopefully parents will see themselves as part of that and then their children will see that that's how you become a part of you know an integral part of the the local food system is just by participating in whatever way you can before I let you go, Nancy, on a personal level, what what have you learned about uh, the Gulf Islands, Islanders, food systems uh, throughout your work uh, in this role over the years? What's your takeaway? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I'm I'm always surprised when people become food producers. Period. Like that they've they've chosen that this is their calling and this is what they're sticking with and. And, you know, I know some producers that are on rented land and have been on rented land for years. And that is tough out here with land values, what they are, and they still stick with it, you know, and raise families to continue to produce food. Like, that's really eye-opening to me. Um, The fact that each island is so different, and yet we all have the similar opportunities and struggles, you know, and that the fairy plays such a role in so many of those struggles, you know, and that we all accept it and still live here and still try to make, you know, some of those people are still trying to make a living, you know, growing food and amidst all of those crises that are happening as well with like the poor soil and the poor water and the, you know, bad weather, (laughs) you know, so, and then you bring in a pandemic or, or anything that's a global issue that then, rears its ugly head in the Gulf Islands, like, and then still they continue to produce food, you know? The other really inspiring thing is that there are so many food groups, like, we really didn't know the extent of that until COVID, you know? And 
we all kind of needed to like, okay, well, what can we, what do we, what can we as the Gulf Islands Food Co-op do? And then the community, the, you know, the Galliano Community Food Program was saying the same thing. And so we're all of these little offshoot groups and, and we all kind of, we got together on a discussion, a Zoom discussion and realized there were so many of us. And then we got onto bigger regional discussions where we were, you know, talking to groups in Victoria and there were so many of us, like there's so many groups that are really trying to make a positive change that any if you were at all if anyone listening is interested at all in having anything to do with the local food system and you don't know where to start just start somewhere like anywhere anything you choose is helpful and it will open a door to like all of these other groups that was nancy goodman project coordinator of the gulf islands food co-op for more information about the co-op go to gulfislandsfoodcoop.org That's it for this edition of Each for All the Cooperative Connection. Thanks to my fellow cooperators, Robin Puga and Joshua Peterman, for putting all the pieces together. I'm Sandy Goldman. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and have a cooperative week.